0: everyone um what i want i ask you to do we're going to study maybe one of the most famous bible passages in the world ever in the history of the world today um, a story that holds it and so, so to start we're going to do that in, together in some little small groups so what i want you to do is turn um to maybe get kind of get a little group together three to five people and then what i the first task that your little small group has to do is matt if you want to click to the first slide maybe oh, we're going to skip that song Um, one more, is to talk, who in the world is that guy? All right, so get into little groups and discuss who in the world this guy is, and then we'll come back together in just a second. We're gonna study this passage together. Does anyone know who this is? Joel does? Joel, real loud here, maybe even a microphone. I I have confidence that you actually do. Uh. So, I don't remember his name, but he would go to Monday Night Football games and sit behind the goalposts and have the shirt on or have a banner up with John three sixteen. Correct. His name is Roland Stewart. Um, And in 1977, he started this. He put this wig on and he put a shirt on and he showed up to the NBA Finals looking very similar to this. And that sparked um, his own little movement for about a decade where uh, he would go well, let me let me take this back. In 1977, he showed up just with that wig. In 1980, he had a conversion experience and then began to wear the shirt along with the wig and traveled according to him about 60,000 miles a year and he would go to the Super Bowl, he would go to the NBA finals, he would go to the Masters, which is a golf event if you don't know that. Um he would uh He went to the wedding of Prince Charles and Diana, um, horse races, and he would carry with him a battery-operated television so that he could find the exact spot that he needed to be in order to get the most publicity for his wig and for his t-shirt. TV producers loathed him, Uh, obviously a major distraction. And um, NBC's golf producers actually threatened the jobs of their camera operators if they were on him too long because he was, he was that much of a distraction. Um, he kind of fizzled out, um, he had some personal things going on in his life that you can research later, um, so that uh, he was unable to, to continue his mission. And so um, things calmed down a little bit in terms of the John 316 sign until... An evening, one evening in 2009, when John 3.16 was the most searched term on Google that night. Does anyone know what event that might have been? 2009, I don't have the date, it would have been around January or February, January, Jake. Boom, impressive Jake, impressive. It was the night of the national championship game when Tim Tebow was playing quarterback and instead of putting a Philippians verse on his eye black, he shed the John 316 eye black. Um, Because, to quote, hopefully people will see it. Um, And they did. And it was the most Google searched uh, phrase um, That night, Um, this is the most famous Bible verse maybe ever. Where else have we seen this Bible verse? Just for kicks, we can't spend too much time on this fun, but it's fun, so let's do it. Brad, Rose Parade. Rose Parade. Sometimes with other, you know, a little bit more intense statements. Yes. Uh huh. Deborah, LA Marathon. In and out, there it is, right there. All right. It is, it is a lot of places. Um, last week, we, uh, we read uh, the story of Simon um, and fishing for people and, and explored this idea that maybe we can encounter God through our everyday lives, our ordinary work, through the deep places of our life, and even in the abundance of our life that we can encounter God in those places. Today we're going to look at John 3 this, that holds this famous verse and wonder together if there's, if there's not clues here on where we can encounter um, the living God even today. So I know we stood a little bit today, but I'm going to read this passage for us um, from, from John 3. So stand with me as we read the gospel, and then we're going to explore it um, together. Uh, John chapter 3. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a Jewish leader. And he came to Jesus at night and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher who's come from God for no one could do these miraculous signs that you do unless God's with him. Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. Nicodemus asked, how is it possible For an adult to be born, it's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's Spirit blows wherever it wishes hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from and where it's going. It's the same way with everyone who's born of the Spirit. Emma said, how are these things possible? Jesus answered, you are a teacher of Israel and you don't know these things. I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we've seen, but you don't receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the Lord. All right. So let's talk about Nicodemus here. Nicodemus, um, he is a man of standing in in the society. He, high social location, um, got a big stake in the order of things remaining as they are. Um, and it's an order that Jesus has critiqued right and we know this about Jesus has, has critiqued and upended a little bit in, in just what he what he kind of where he puts his body who he hangs out with what he says um, And so he's a very serious person um, as a Pharisee he, he, he is serious about things that matter um, And I think this is a, a quality that we can appreciate about people. There are people who are serious about things that matter And Nicodemus is one of them. Um, He also is in this role at a time when people are being radicalized. Uh, Herod is the ruler, Pilate is the governor, Caiaphas is the high priest. The water he was swimming in was a really intense, radicalized environment. And he's trying to fulfill his role within that as a Pharisee, as a teacher. Of the law, maybe he's at his wit's end, um, and he comes to Jesus at night. I was with students this week in my class at Fuller. I was on a Zoom call, and we were kind of introducing ourselves, and we got to this one student. Um, I'll call him Robbie. That's not his name, but Robbie said, "Hey, um, Professor Smith, Josh." Um, what uh what are we going to do with this recording of the of the zoom meeting and i said well most of the time we have a recording so people who miss the small groups can watch it later but this week actually everybody's here so i I don't know i don't know what we're going to do and he went on to tell the whole group how he is a church planter in china and is starting an underground church Um, And in fact, he had this underground church. He said, it's been a little bit too big. We got to about 100 people, and just recently, um, the government came in and disbanded it. And so I just have to be really careful, even at Fuller, um, with who I tell, what I'm doing, and why I'm doing it. Um, But in fact, our church is is re-engaged and is going well. Um, uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night comes when no one can see him. Um, he comes, uh, maybe, he's, maybe he's afraid of people seeing him. Maybe he's, maybe he's a coward at first thought, but maybe not. Maybe there's a process to what he's doing. Maybe he's got some wisdom. He's heard of like would-be messiahs before that haven't really panned out. Um, so he's being careful, but he's curious and he wants something fresh within this, this radicalized environment that he's in. And he calls Jesus a rabbi, a teacher. There's appreciation there, there's curiosity there. We also know that he asks questions, right? He asks questions over and over. Uh, Primary one is, how is this possible? Multiple times throughout this little tiny narrative. How is this possible? Don't you wish he had his tone of voice? he was asking that question. Um, but he comes at night and he's curious about what, who Jesus is and what God might be doing. Um, I wonder if you can find yourself if you had to in this character. Um, if you had to, where might you find yourself in the character of Nicodemus? This trained teacher, this serious person about faith it's one who comes to God at night with either with fear, curiosity, intrigue. It's a person in a radicalized environment trying to sort that out. Turn in your groups, just briefly share where where might you find yourself in the character of Nicodemus if you really had to. Go for it. Make sure you get around your group. Just about one more minute, and then we're gonna come back together. All right, let's Let's uh, let's come back to the story. Continue to be thinking about where you might find yourself in it. Jesus um, answers Nicodemus um, and says, I assure you, unless someone is born anew, it's not possible to see God's kingdom. It starts with this, like, very kind of primary narrative about the reign of God, the kingship of God um, with Nicodemus. Nicodemus asks, how is it possible for an adult to be born? It's impossible to enter the mother's womb for a second time and be born, isn't it? At first read, you might think this man is dense. Um, he, he's not able to get into like, the, the, what's going on here. Um, some scholars, though, think this is a, is this a theological discourse. Um, I'm, I'm made in the image of God, why would I need to be born again? Uh, it could be a fair question, it could be a sincere question. And then behind this next piece from Jesus is all these stories of water and wind. Uh, Jesus answers, I assure you, unless someone is born of water spirit, the wind, it's not possible to enter God's kingdom. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised that I said to you, you must be born anew. God's spirit blows wherever it wishes. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. It's the same with everyone. Was born anew, who was born of the Spirit. One story behind this is the Exodus story, right? It would be one Nicodemus is very familiar with. The story of water and wind. The story of liberation uh, from radicalized um, cultures and systems, of movement through water into freedom and liberation. And, and Nicodemus would hear. For the readers of John, we have the story of Jesus' baptism, right? Jesus coming out of the water with God's voice saying, This is my child. This is the one I love. This is one with whom I am really pleased. Um, Nicodemus, in the narrative, readers of the, of the gospel, you and I, we have these stories behind this where Jesus is saying, "You must be born anew. Jesus then says, Whatever is born of the flesh is the flesh, born of the spirit is the spirit. And I think it's important to remember that the flesh is not necessarily a bad thing in this. If we, can, if we can avoid reading flesh and spirit in this kind of like good and bad dichotomy that we so often do, I think this passage might even open up for us even more. Flesh is something that we all live in, right? We are born kind of of the flesh. Um, our stories, Kind of who we are as people, we identify it as it's a part of our fleshly life. Um, I am the son of Len and Robin Smith. That is a part of my flesh, for which I am mostly proud. You know, <laughs> always proud. Um, I am the brother of Jonathan Smith, for which I am mostly proud. If you saw his meme last week, you might—I might not have been so proud at that point. But um, you can check that out. Um, the. Uh, I am the husband of Ari Smith, and Ariana Nicola, of which I am always abundantly proud. Um, like, this, this is a part of my flesh. Um, I am a pastor at Mountainside Communion. All of this, these aspects of our story are part of kind of our flesh and our life, and they're, and they're good oftentimes. Um, and within that, the spirit Does new things, where we're to be born anew, Um, where we're open to God, where we're open to other people, where we're open to ourselves in new ways, in new transformative ways. Um, He says to Nicodemus, Don't be surprised that I say you must be born anew. What might have been like for Why did I put Lazarus? Hilarious. Uh, We're gonna talk about Lazarus in a few weeks, but this is uh, Nicodemus. What might it have been like for Nicodemus to hear the messages of water and spirit? Um, Those messages, that Exodus message of freedom from slavery, the story of Jesus' baptism. You are my child, you are loved, I am pleased. As he comes at night, with his fleshly role that we'd already talked about, to talk to Jesus, this teacher. Turn to each other in your groups. What might have that been like? What do you imagine could have come up for him as he came to Jesus that night? Let's go for it. All right, let's um, come back. So Nicodemus is is talking with Jesus, and Jesus is inviting him and and, and telling him to be born anew, um, to be born of of the Spirit and of water, um, these stories of salvation in the the backdrop. And Nicodemus again says, how is this possible? Um, And Jesus answers, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things. Kind of mean, right? Um, <laughs> I assure you that we speak about what we know and testify about what we have seen, but you don't receive our testimony. It's not fitting in your categories, Nicodemus. It's not fitting in your the rootedness of your systems um, that you find so much identity in. If I've told you about earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has gone up to heaven except the one who came down from heaven, the human one. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so must the human one be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal or the fullness of life. as if Jesus saying to Nicodemus, stop believing that it's your roots in the system, in the flesh, in the earthly things. Stop believing that it's those things that are going to sustain you. That it's those things for which you find all your identity. Joshua, identity is not in the fact that you are Lennon Robbins' son, as wonderful as that is. It's not in the fact that you're a pastor, that you're a heterosexual male in America uh, who lives on Colorado Boulevard, who has three sons, you know. Like all the fleshy, wonderful things that I'm thankful for. And all the fleshy things about my story and my life that I wish were different or that I regret. Jesus is saying to me, to to Nicodemus, you don't find your identity, your rootedness, your your sustenance in those things. You You are so much more than those things. There's so much more. What is your story? What is the, the fleshy descriptions of your story, your relationships, your histories, those things that you're so proud of and so thankful for, those things that you wish were different that you just never imagined would have happened. All of those pieces of our lives, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus and I think saying to us, you're so much more than that. I am with you in that. Here, Here I am at night talking with you, meeting you where you needed to meet me, right? Hidden, afraid. so loved the world that he gave his only son. He became flesh and blood among us. He took on flesh, had his own fleshy narrative and story. So that everyone who believes, trusts, follows, listens toward him, won't perish, but will have the fullness of life, eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world. The world might be saved through him, Nicodemus. God didn't come to judge, so you don't need to judge anymore, Nicodemus, teacher. Um, God didn't come into the world um, to do anything but love and save us um, either I or a little baby did something funny right over here, yeah which I love this is amazing um, and so so your identity born of spirit I 'm keeping going because the kids are going to all come back here in a second so um, they're already here um, your identity it, it, it doesn't need to be rooted in those beautifully messy pieces of your story. I'm with you in those. But your identity can be rooted in this very specific and saving love that God has um, for you. We're going to be looking at these like very specific stories. We are off the rails this morning. Um, story of Simon the fisherman, Nicodemus the teacher. Um, next week, there's a woman from Samaria who's at the well that we're going to look at. Um, there's a woman of Tyre who actually looks like she might even teach teach, teach Jesus a couple things. We're going to look at that story. Um, a tax collector who is kind of short, so he climbs a tree. We're going to look at these, these very concrete stories. Um, and hopefully bring our own fleshy, real stories. Um, And all so that we can remember that we can be encountered by God who says, you are those things and I love you as those things and you are so much more because your identity is in this very specific and saving love um, for all of creation. So the last, the last prompt, if I can get us there. Can you go to the next slide, Jay? I'm, I'm out of commission. Jay, you click clicking that? Thanks. When we imagine ourselves and other people as rooted in God's saving and specific love, not rooted in categories of the flesh, a part of us, those, those parts of us, they're, they're a part of us and they, they can be beautiful how might that shape our relationship with ourselves and with others? So again, when, you, when we think about this invitation that Jesus gives Nicodemus, that, that we are rooted in God's saving and specific love for us, how might that shape our relationship with ourselves and with other people? Go for it. Just share what first comes to mind as you think about Nicodemus and think about yourself. And in a little bit, the kids are gonna come in and we'll be done. Go for it.